Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. So therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you do not give up all your possessions. Luke 14, 33. This statement comes fast on the heels of Jesus' disturbing words about hating all your family, even life itself, to become his disciple. This is a tough one, but regarded in the light perhaps of a rescue worker, let's say, who's been told by his officer in command that in order to belong to his group, he may not return alive when the unit goes on a mission. He may lose his own life to save another's. He may never see his family. How does that sound? Still daunting? Look at it this way. I'm not going to hate my daughter's sons, husband, brother, cousins or mother-in-law or give up my life for someone else. However, if by immersing myself so much in my life, in the nurturing process of being mum, wife, friend, cousin, sister, daughter-in-law, if I lose sight of my creator, without whom I could not be anything at all, if I find my prayers are all asking and never praising, thanking, adoring, worshipping, because I'm worried about this and that, worried sick about so-and-so, pleading for help, help, help all the time without a thought of who I'm requesting help from, then I cannot be a disciple of Jesus. My heart is not in the right place. My view on life is all about me and mine and not about the glorification of God. I tried to change in prayer this, this week. I thought, much as I want to, I don't have to tell God what to do, but I do have to worship him. And I came away from my devotions feeling much better, much calmer. When someone in our lives usurps God, we're in trouble. We can't become disciples. Let's remember to always put God first. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children the children are all grown now, but we all know once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. And I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derived directly from their exposure during their formative years to our stellar methods of parenting. My cowboy and I are living alone together in merry old England for the moment, getting used to this thing called empty nest. I find God in the quiet of our flat where the gentle rainpour can be heard pattering on the leaves. The softness of nature is a good reminder of his awesome majesty. Our lives seem very humdrum at the moment, but probably not for long. According to most of those who know us, nothing we do is ever mundane anyway. We're selling a property here in London, and I finally found a home for the rest of my parents' books. I couldn't face throwing those away. Books are a big thing in my life. I have so many of them. Each week... I invite someone to join me during this hour and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child rearing. 
I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Today, Hugh de Berg will be with me after the first break, and we're going to be transformed as we hear him talk about ordinary families living extraordinary lives. First off, though, I'm going to say a bit about Dorts on the High Seas, drawing a blank on public convenience signs, sussing out technology and persecution in the homeschool. I'm drinking a hot cup of PG tips because it's turned cold and biscuits taste better dunked anyway. I wish you were here with me, but at least you can listen to me spout on while you sit comfortably. So let's begin, shall we? My hard drive crashed last week, and while repairs were in progress, I went into experimentation mode with iPhoto. I decided to touch base with the Apple Store to find out how to best do something. I'm taking full advantage of my one-to-one service that came for a year with my new MacBook, and I'm having a lot of learning fun. Knowing a little about technology, but not quite enough, is dangerous in the wrong hands. And although I thought what I was doing was right, and it worked somewhat, when I retrieved my library off my crashed hard drive, I did something in the internal linkage that stumped the geeks. Nothing to be proud of, I hasten to add. I just didn't know what I was up to. But they sorted it for me and taught me the correct procedure for moving stuff from internal hard drive to external hard drive without breaking links and rerouting stuff the wrong way. I love all this knowledge. I was even able to talk Dorts through a process to free up some space on her mag to keep her going for another year. Go, Mum! My children hardly notice my savvy because they're so used to me being in the role of parent-teacher. One of the things about going into town for any length of time is knowing where the toilets are. And I've talked about this because I always have a cup of tea. And after an hour or so, well, you know, we're aces at locating shops and hotels that accommodate us. But the graphics are changing and there are no longer words for me to read on some of the public loos. There are unisex family toilets and changing table icons with babies. And in the confusion of signage and doorways, I found myself following my cowboy into the gents once. He looked around and said, "Uh uh-uh, yours is down there. The ladies' sign that I'd seen was on the hallway just before the men's. Now I have to look really closely because the stick figures just aren't clear enough for me. I laughingly say, well, I don't know whether it's a man in a kilt or a woman in trousers. Too many options. And with all these options come choices. And we choose to keep our children at home with us with no risks. I was checking my email just before last week's show and I saw something from Parental Rights. And after a quick read, I popped over to HSLDA to learn more. Who knows, I thought, I may be able to use it. And the breaking news was the tragic story of the Wunderlich family, who've been traveling Europe in an effort to find a safe place to settle, raise their family, find work and homeschool their children. Germany, their homeland, was out of the question because of the hostility towards homeschoolers. However, the Wunderlichs, in sheer desperation, had returned to Germany because of lack of work, and they'd settled in a small village. Almost immediately, the authorities were on them, and their home was burst in upon Their children were taken away because the parents refused to comply with the German government's demands to send their children to state schools. Remember the story of the Johansons, Annie and Krista? 
Dominic, their son, was taken from them as they sat on a runway in Sweden, headed for Annie's home in India. They've still not regained custody of their son. He was taken away on June the 25th, 2009, when he was seven years old. So I told my last minute story about the Wunderlichs last week. And my guest was Jodie Halstead, who talked about traveling in our home states, finding often overlooked things to do in our own backyards. And as she talked, she told us about a community in Iowa called the Awana Colonies. These people had traveled to America from Germany to escape religious persecution in 1855, and they eventually settled in Iowa. You can look the community up online, among many other interesting stories, is one about their collective decision during the Depression to set aside their communal way of life, which by 1932 was seen as a barrier to achieving individual goals. So rather than leave their community or watch their children leave, they changed. The community is still thriving because of this visionary decision to make a change. As I was listening to Jodie talk about her visit to the Awana community, their museum and their crafts and their foods, I thought of the loss Germany had suffered by driving these worthy people out and how relevant their story is today in a world where Germany is still driving people off. I asked Jodie also about her decision to homeschool her girls, and she related the school attendance laws in Iowa. When more than 10 unexcused days of school are missed, a letter comes thumping into your mailbox from the authorities. And Jodie and her husband received one warning letter, and then she got another letter, which was the last straw, and they were told that if the girls didn't resume school, the truant authorities would take their children away from the family home, place them in care, and charge them for the expenses incurred. Does this sound at all familiar? What's happening in Sweden and Germany isn't that far away from our front doors, so we need to go over to parental rights.org and sign that petition that I spoke about last week. And I had no idea, this is the point of my story, <laughs> that Jodie was going to be telling me these two stories, although it sounded as if we planned the theme for our conversation. My last minute story fit in so well with what Jodie was going to say, and I have a suspicion I know who was responsible. I always loved that about homeschooling. All my teaching, topics of interest, research, gathering and exploring, no matter how random my semester or year looked, ended up coming together so gracefully as the year drew to a close that I knew I couldn't possibly have engineered it. The same with my life. I have to keep reminding myself who's in charge. Have you ever had several projects going simultaneously? Well, if you're a homeschooler, structured or radically unschooling, you're also a parent and busy there have been days when I'm doing laundry, making a small pillowcase with one of my girls, helping with a Latin translation, supervising that evening's dinner, getting things together to have a paint-your-own-t-shirt afternoon, and everything seems to be in disarray. I'm stepping over piles of laundry, I have paints lined up on the dining room table, onions being chopped in the whopper chopper, the sewing machine is out, there are feathers everywhere from cutting a full-size down pillow into three smaller ones, declensions are spinning in my head... To the unskilled eye, we're in chaos, but to me, we're having a normal, busily creative day, and everything's under control. Know what I mean? By the time dinner rolls around, the tasks are being completed, and I look around and everything's in place. I'm the captain, after all, and have orchestrated the end results. Not so with my life. 
I have no idea where it's going for the most part. All I can do is take charge of what I'm able to take charge of and know that my Lord will have everything else fall into place when the time is right. And you know, sometimes it seems as though he's juggling an awful lot of plates and might need some help from me. The next time things seem to be running amok or something out of the blue distracts you and you have to bring it up somehow in a conversation or, in my case, a radio show, exercise some trust. God knows. And it's time for me to go on my first break. I'll be back with my guest after these few short moments. So go fill up your teacup and come straight back with your biscuit to dunk in it. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Get ready for smart health with your host, Dr. Glenn Mia. Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Smart Health is a one-hour program dedicated to discussions, interviews, and news in the ever-changing world of medicine. Information leads to smart choices, and smart choices lead to a healthier lifestyle. That's the quote of host and broadcast journalist Dr. Glenn Mia, M.D. This magazine-style radio show is a fast-paced program bringing together medical experts, authors, and patients to examine what works and what doesn't in staying healthy. Dr. Glenn Mia is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine. His philosophy to wellness starts with an investment. He says proper nutrition, rest, and exercise are the best personal investments to maintaining good health. So join us for Smart Health with Dr. Glenn Mia. Fridays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. My guest this week is Hudeberg, 
who writes about creative family lifestyle design on his blog, The Way of the Passionate Warrior. Hugh is a dad, which is always an exciting occurrence on my show, who's dedicated his life to the achievement of the ultimate family lifestyle. Currently, he's on the second leg of a worldwide travel adventure with his wife and four young children. Hugh is a man who talks about being a real man. He's a father of four and embraces the parenting style of living life intentionally every day. He's transformed his personal life and has taken his family along with him. And today he's joining us to start the ball rolling for us so that we can have the opportunity to transform our own lives too. Hugh's written a book, Families Without Limits, which he offers free on his website. Welcome, Hugh, to my show. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Well, you're most welcome. And um, where are you talking from, Hugh? Well, right now, uh, I'm in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you have a home there? Uh, we, yeah, we have, um, of course, we have a, a motor home, and we travel all over, as you know. But we mm-hmm. also have uh, a couple pieces of real estate in Virginia that are kind of legacy. They would have been gone a long time ago, but we know how the real mm-hmm. estate market is. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're taking advantage of that. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what we're doing in London. We've got this um, this flat in London at the moment that is on the market, <laughs> and we've been trying to sell it for the last. Like, we've been selling it for like the last two and a half years. But in the meantime, it gives us a really good excuse to you know kind of live here. So, oh sure, that that's yeah. been fun. All right, Hugh, um, tell me what pushed you over the edge to take your family on this extraordinary journey that you've been doing for the last few years? Well, um, you know, I was thinking about this, and I'm not sure it's something that pushed me over the edge so much as it was um, the opportunity. Uh, you know, I got married to, to a, a fine woman, and almost immediately we started having kids, and, mm-hmm. you know, one after another we had four. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's a tiring experience, a challenge, and... Uh, by the time the youngest seemed to be, you know, she was out of diapers and she seemed to be old enough that she wasn't going to get herself killed, you know, mm-hmm. starting to learn how to take care of herself. I realized, you know, I was getting itchy too. I just wanted to do something different. I wanted to um, explore. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife and I had been talking for years about getting a motor home and we had bought a small trailer, but we found, uh, shoot, there was the, uh, market crash or whatever and a lot of rv companies went to business we drove actually we took bought one week ticket to texas all of us we drove to the dealers we found one that had the best deal we bought it and then we just started driving mm-hmm. and you make it sound like that's just what you decided to do but there must have been planning in there because i mean you have to make a living um you have to be able to support your family put food on the table that kind of stuff so and your wife probably had to be consulted too. I know you said we, but you know, you sit yeah. down, you have, you know, you you have to have these little these talks and logistical stuff. And I know getting out there and doing it is is the true test. But um, tell us about that. Well, it, tell I us, think uh, it it really depends on how you've designed your life. Uh-huh. And I, I admit, I've I've always just had this need, or why I don't know, but maybe I know now. To design a life that was flexible, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, every, every time we would consider a commitment from, 
you know, uh, doing getting involved in an organization, getting a pet, or whatever it was, my thought mm-hmm. was always, well, this prevent us from doing something if some really cool opportunity comes along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was able to kind of steer things in that direction, and so that when we got to this moment, we were we already were kind of ready. It, it seemed mm-hmm. easy, but it was it, it wasn't an accident. It, it was intentional. From an mm-hmm. income standpoint, um, I had a business that I had purchased uh, back in the mid-90s. And originally it was a big uh, brick-and-mortar thing with lots of employees. And after owning it for a few years, I realized that one small aspect of it could be run very simply and, and very small and still make a lot of money. So I actually sold the main business, kept the small piece, mm-hmm. and uh, began running it from home. And Great. it was such that we could do it from the road, you know, from mm-hmm. a computer. We just really needed good internet and, you know, telephone. And you've got, with cell, it's almost everywhere today, except maybe in a few wilderness areas out west. And also, you can use that same cell for internet. So we basically were always connected. We had our own copier uh, mm-hmm. on board. And so, and we had a few key people that we had hired um, to do a lot of the administrative stuff. Mm. So you and your wife but, you work know, on I, this together? Yes. Yeah, we work yes. on it together, and and it was, you know, the key is of course with something like that having you know a good employee back home. Uh, when the bills would come in, they would fax the bills to us. They'd come up on my computer screen, and then I could pay them online in the bank, you know, online mm-hmm. bank. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. were basically as virtual as possible. Yeah, fantastic. Well, at the beginning there, um, you were saying that um, you wanted to design, or you had designed a flexible life, you know, and every every time something happened, you would think, okay, is this going to take away an opportunity that I might have um, if something, you know, really great comes along? So, you know, you, you thought right. twice about having a pet or um, joining, like, committees or whatever. I would think yeah. that having four children for most people would be a stopping point. And, you know, people would go, well, you've got children. What are you going to do when they get older? How are they going to travel with you? Do, you know, all of that stuff. So obviously, children didn't stop you. School didn't well, stop I you. I, I was determined that it wouldn't. Um, because yeah. I know a lot of people. Yeah, that, that their their typical approach is you do this when you're single or you're just married, or you do this mm-hmm. when you're in an empty nest. And yeah. I was determined to show that this can be done um, anytime. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's a, if, if you can live your life this way, and you're being a parent at the same time, it's a great way to teach your children through example of what's possible in life and mm. and they can grow up and they grow up without the, Oh, you can't do that attitude. They realize, yes, yeah. you can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How, how old are your children, Hugh? Uh, my children are nine, 11, 13, 15. Okay. And how many years have you been doing this? You said just as your youngest came out of diapers, have you really been doing it for that yeah, long? So we, 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 yeah, we have. So it's Lord, I don't know. Um, Eight years? Yeah, probably more like seven. Seven? Yeah, yeah seven. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. And you've been I'm, all I'm flying, over. Right. You are? Yeah, we've been uh, all, all over North America. Um, we've been just to southern Canada. I mean, we've been in almost all the provinces in southern Canada. And when I say been, we, we tend to spend time everywhere. Uh, mm. We've been um, all over North America. We, there's a few small states we haven't been to. But... Um, you know, we'll get there eventually. We're kind of planning future trips. 
Mm. Now, Hugh, um, you say I, I read your blog, so I, I've got I've got yeah. a, a couple of good quotes from you. You said life is not mm. about doing what I have to do, but doing what really means the most to me. Before you decided to do this, what did doing what really means the most to me look like for you? Well, I'm not sure I did. <laughs> um, that was, you know, that's exactly. part of the You might not have been that, doing it. <laughs> that's correct. I, I, obviously, you know, things, different things are happening at the same time. And, and as we were, you know, bringing our kids up through diapers, and of course, eventually we had to consider things like education and sort of thing. Um, I, I also started to think more about my life and what I really wanted to do. I had this, you know, this business that was big. And when I transformed that into a small business, that was also part of the process. I realized that I wasn't really enjoying running this giant company. It, it wasn't giant, but it seemed giant to me and and it was expensive. And I was, I was having a hard time sleeping at night because the overhead and I just said, I'm not going to live this way. Yeah. And I'd rather shrink it, you know, take the risk that I wouldn't have as much income, but at the same time, that relieved all that stress. I don't have the overhead. Now I can begin to focus on other things and focus my emotional energy on my children, on things that matter to me instead of worrying whether we're going to make payroll, you know. Mm. So mm. It, it was, it was, it seemed crazy, I think, to some people, but um, we made it work. Well, um, you tell a touching story about the first day after you made this decision, you went and spent mm-hmm. the day with your father and you realized that you didn't have anywhere to go, no deadline, nothing. You could just spend as long as you wanted to with your dad, mm-hmm. with with no pressure, yep. no time pressure. Tell us about that. Well, I think that, and that, it, that really changes the quality of, of experience. I mean, yeah. I, I found... I realize, and I think most of us are like this, we've got so many things going on in our head that even when we're with someone, you know, we've got schedules, we've got deadlines, we've got stuff going on, we're never really present. You know, mm-hmm. we're never relaxed. I think I wasn't, let's speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I found that I wasn't relaxing and really listening and really being present with the people that mattered to me. I was mm-hmm. always thinking about the next thing that had to be done. Mm-hmm. And so it's this experience of realizing, holy cow, how beautiful it is to be present with someone mm. and and to just give myself permission to be present with someone and know mm. that I can. That's, mm. that's, it changes the character, it changes the quality, I think, of your relationships and of your everyday experience. It's a different way of viewing life. Yeah, yeah. And your father your, and, and your parents, are they both still alive and around? Yes, yes, they're both yeah. alive. They actually live here in Virginia, so when we're here we yeah. can... We can spend time with them, and yeah. uh, my wife's a mom it also lives in the area, too. So, you know, that's another thing. Uh, you know, we have, you know, obviously family we want to come back and see and that sort of thing. Absolutely, we family, can do that. obviously. We have, we have flexibility, and that allows yeah. us to do those kind of And put mm-hmm. as a priority what really matters to us. Oh, that's 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 wonderful. And unschooling and being with your children and with your wife and enjoying being with your parents is such is such a gift to give your children. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's such a legacy. And when they are in diapers or when they're really young, it's easy to think this stuff is going to go on forever. You've got plenty yeah. of time. But now as my oldest is getting, you know, up there now, he's 15, it becomes very clear to me that in a relatively short period of time, these guys are going to be gone. This is a. This really is a, a limited window 
in mm. which we can be together like this as a family before they go off and do their own thing. Here we have to go on a short so, break, but we'll be back in just a few moments, okay? Okay. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Women have their own idea about what real men are, as I'm sure you've discovered. For you, what does a real man look like? Because I know you write about this. Yeah. Um, I think that a this is a hard question. It really is. In fact, this is a question I think men in general are trying to answer today. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the relationship between men and women has changed so much through the 20th century, and the, I think a lot of men are trying to figure out what a man is, what's his role, and a lot mm-hmm. of men are lost, and especially a lot of young boys now growing up without fathers are even more lost, and, mm-hmm. and it's, I think it's a crisis. And mm-hmm. to, be, to me, I guess a real man is someone who uh, is not afraid to own his own power as a man, and yet is also does this with dignity. 
um, mm-hmm. and respect, but essentially a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of men, men are afraid of owning their own power. They're afraid of their responsibility. I think in relationships they tend to allow, they, they, just, they just leave the women to run them, and then the women become dis- discouraged with, with them, and mm-hmm. they become discouraged with the relationship, and they start all over again with a new one and do the same thing. And mm-hmm. I think it's a pattern, and I think if men can begin to learn how to own their own power while while being respectful and being um, being a gentle person at the same time, mm-hmm. I think they will begin to to will begin to carve out a new definition of what it means to be a man in mm-hmm. the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. So, do you think it's do you think it's really changed that much? Or do you think, well, let me think, Um, because you can still be that kind of a man. You just look so different in today's age and people kind of look down on you, perhaps, you know, for opening the door and being respectful and being polite and being strong and not letting Mm -hmm. women, you know, allowing them to. Well, I guess they're working now. They've got their own bank accounts, a lot of women. So they do um, take the lead. So it's there. It's just that maybe they've not been taught that different role model. You know, I think today such a lot is androgynous, don't well, you think? I mean, they definitely it, it is, especially in the, the West. Um, mm-hmm. It's very androgynous, but I think a lot is lost there. And I think mm-hmm. that the juxtaposition of the feminine and the masculine creates a, a very beautiful dynamic and energy that is, is, is the spice of a culture. And I think without it, life becomes much more flat. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important, I think, even though I believe in full equality and any woman can do anything a man can do, in my opinion, mm-hmm. at the same time, we play a role with each other. We do a dance together. And and if you are someone who is primarily in the feminine, you, I think deep down you, you some, one part of you wants a man occasionally to take the lead. And if mm-hmm. you're a man... You want a woman who will appreciate you doing that. And mm-hmm. I, I talk about this sometimes and some people misunderstand and they think that, uh, I don't know how I come across, but I, I really do think that there is, is a natural masculine-feminine dynamic that exists in nature and that it's beautiful and that it doesn't have to require domination. It requires respect, mm-hmm. absolute respect and trust. And when you have respect and trust between a man and a woman, for example, then you can have this natural flow. It's knowing, you know, it's knowing when to let go and when to to act. But ultimately, I think a man needs to be prepared to lead because that's the masculine role. And uh, many women are missing that in men today. They're just listless. They don't seem to have a direction. That's my opinion. Well, and I think a lot of a lot of moms are bringing up their sons on their own. Yes, yes, indeed, aren't they? They are, and there's there's, there's So you, so you have a lack of role model. Mm. Um, and, and really, what, one of the problems, I think, is, and I think I talked about this on my blog, too, was that there really, in our culture, there is no rite of passage to manhood. There really isn't to womanhood. There, there are a few things. There's the prom and things, I guess you could say, were sort of symbolic mm. the passage into womanhood. But, but for boys, there really is no passage into to adulthood and as a result, I think boys just try to hang on to boyhood as long as they can until they finally get sucked into, until they feel 
so many responsibilities. Somebody gets pregnant, they end up married, they end up having mm-hmm. to get a job, and next thing you know, they're 50 years old and mm-hmm. wondering what happened. And so I, I think that in ancient cultures, there was always a rite of passage, a clear line that said, you're now a man, and mm-hmm. you're due the respect from men and women as a man, and you also are expected to toe the line and step up to the plate and take on responsibilities and, and be an adult. And I think people will live up to what you expect of them. And today we don't really expect much at all from men, and they sort of kind of meet that standard, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, they do. They do. And, and, um, Mm -hmm. of course, as a dad with sons, you have to be there. You have to show up in order to be able to, you have to be around them. It's pointless working, you know, 60 hours a week and maybe being a weekend dad, perhaps. And, you know, your sons never see you. So, um, Mm -hmm. your, what you've done is you've put yourself in a position where you are very available to your children and not everybody can do that unfortunately so what tips do you give you know the ordinary man in the street who isn't prepared to you know jump off that that um, roller coaster and and um, you know join you in your life <laughs> well i think the key the key things to remember and let's say that you're a, a weekend dad right or or uh, maybe you're even divorced and you just get get your child occasionally i mean The less you see them, obviously, the worse it is. But the key is, I think, that when you're with them, that you are fully present with them, Mm. that you give them your total focus, at least for that time period, and and you listen to them. You kind of get into their world. You find out what really matters to them, even if it sounds silly. And Mm. by doing that, you create a bond. You create a connection, Mm. and you create a level of trust. At that point, you've created a, a channel. They're now listening. They're watching. I mean, they're watching us anyway. Children mimic, and they're going to do what we do. If, if, if I'm a weekend dad, they're going to be weekend dad, most likely, mm. or mm. they're going to spend their life trying to avoid it. So you try to model the life that you think your kids, you know, you want your kids to live or you think that's going to make them happy. And if that means being present. I think that, that would be the best advice I could give is, is if you don't have a lot of time with your children, try to be really there when you are with them. People just, kids just want to be seen. They want to know that you know them, that you love them. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just so lost in our head and we're so lost in busyness today that we very rarely take this moment to be present with our spouse or with our children or whatever. Just that one act can make a mm-hmm. huge difference in the quality of your relationships. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Here in England, we have a very pedestrian society. And so I see um, when I go out for my, my walks, I see these mums pushing their their children in their strollers and their prams. They're on their phones. And, you know, I thought, gosh, even even when I was raising my children, I was constantly babbling and talking and making eye contact and touching. And uh, that's just not happening today because of what's going on with these phones, (laughs) technology. And and, and today, I mean, I've been active in different men's groups and trying to learn, teach myself this material and trying to learn myself. And I think that we're going to end up with a lot of men who have to go through some sort of transformation process as men in order to grow up. And I think we have that now and it's going to continue because of the situation we're in. I don't know. I mean, I think a man who wasn't raised to be a man really can't be a man. And if you're not a man, you're not a father. That's really how I got into this manhood stuff. My main focus was on fatherhood. And I realized 
before I can really understand fatherhood, I have to understand manhood because that's mm. the roots of fatherhood. And that's that's you know that's what took me there. And so, um, obviously, you had a good mentor with your father. Yes, I did. I mean, I learned the good and the bad. Um, mm. I learned what to do and what not to do. Um, my dad was, you know, very, and he still is. He's a very honest man, highest integrity. I learned a lot of things and some specific things that he taught me that I make sure I pass on to my kids. And I mm. tell them I learned this from, you know, granddaddy. Um, yeah. But there's also things that I think I wanted to do better because he did work a lot. Now, he had to support us, and, and that just was reality. And there weren't a lot of opportunities to be live flexible lives in those days. But he was working an awful lot. Sometimes I had to go to his office to, to see him. Yeah. And he wasn't always as present, you know, emotionally as I would have liked him to have been. So I learned both what I liked and what I didn't like. And I try to remember both and carry them into how I deal with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you also say a little bit about, um, I don't know, a little bit, but I read about hiding your feelings. And I know there are a lot of parents out there that say, you know, don't get angry with your spouse in front of your children. Or, I mean, obviously you don't want them beating each other up, but, you know, they can have a, a healthy right. argument or disagreement. And then the mm -hmm. ch I always think, well, you know, I do. I can't just say I'm going to leave that alone and, and we'll come back to it later. And I think it gives your children an opportunity to see conflict and how it's resolved in a loving, trusting, Correct. respectful arena. Correct. If you don't know how to resolve conflict, it ends up becoming a bomb or, or you know, you just have problems. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. Children learn from the way we handle it. And mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think I do this as well as I would like to, but it's one of those things that I'm constantly trying to remember is that, yes, arguing, disagreement, a lot of the things, really, we're just human. Uh, and we want our kids to know it's okay to be human while mm -hmm. still being respectful of each other. And I think that's the key. If you're human, but you also show respect. That's the best we can do, I think, as human beings, is to, to, mm. to have both of those. And they, they copy us. They'll do it, they'll do it too. Well, and, and heaven help our children if they imagine that the perfect marriage is a place where you don't ever have a disagreement. <laughs> because that's Yeah, not they, I think they say that those are the marriages that usually fail. I think I was told yeah, by a counselor. Exactly. That yeah, exactly. Those, yeah. those are the ones so, that fail. Well, Hugh, um, we, we're getting ready to go on another really short break, and I would like you to come back mm -hmm. for about five more minutes, and we'll talk a little bit about your book and where to go find you and um, and uh, read about you. My guest is um, Hugh DeBerg, and we've been talking about um, you know embracing a different, more gentle lifestyle and focusing when you're with your loved ones. And, um, you know, make, having them think that um, you're really important to them and, and you know, finding out about what um, they enjoy doing. So we'll be back in just a few moments. How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you looking for something more in your happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. 
Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose at all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugginet Radio. Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Hugh, you've written a book that you're giving away for free on your website mm-hmm. called Families Without Limits. Yep. Could you tell us, when did you write that? Uh, I wrote it a few years ago, uh, uh-huh. probably in the copyright page. I can't even remember. But um, okay. I wrote it uh, really as an attempt to kind of pull together um, a basic explanation of what we did as a family, um, mm-hmm. our experience in transforming our lives from what they were to what we wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to put something out there that other families could read and kind of use to help guide them on if they wanted to kind of take on the same challenge. Mm-hmm. So you say you transformed your life. And I was going to say, what does your marriage look like now compared to what it was when you first started doing this? <laughs> well, for one, well, for one thing, I think our, we are able to work together, much more together, but we were actually together as a couple before we were, um, well, we were raising babies and changing diapers. I think it was very chaotic. And then when I bought that business around the same time we got married, if I'm not mistaken. So I think in the beginning of our relationship, you know, we we were married, but we were also racing around like crazies. And I think this whole process gave us time to be a couple instead Mm -hmm. of just being in the same house and raising the same kids. And this is the kind of experience that can make, you know, quality of relationships possible. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. another one of the most valuable things about Yeah, that. And, and you're living in a small space most of the time because an RV uh-huh. isn't very big. Yeah. <laughs> it is a small space, and that's probably the biggest drawback, it's true. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. you can never have too, a big enough uh, uh, RV. And yeah. sometimes we can yeah. come back to, uh, to the house here or something if we need some space or something. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. I mean, we can do pretty much what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But we, we found, surprisingly, that we, we didn't have more arguments um, within, I think, when we started this, within the first couple of months, things got calm. I mean, we, we, mm-hmm. 
there weren't as many arguments. There weren't as many conflicts. I don't know exactly what that was. I do know that when we would go to campgrounds, for example, and there'd be, it'd be like vacation time and there'd be regular kids there, they were running around like nuts and they're making so much noise and my kids would look at them like, why are they so wired? And yeah. I guess it's because they've been in these straight jackets of traditional school and traditional or whatever and, and now they're just exploding trying to get their energy out and my kids were not, you know, they didn't have that need. So it was different. It's almost, I guess you know this as a homeschooler, a schooling mom that, um, that your kids really are different than the ones who are raised in traditional schools. They're, they're, they're calmer, in my opinion. It's one of the best decisions we ever made, in my opinion. They're calmer. They're more confident. They're very comfortable being adults. They go to the doctor. They're not afraid to ask questions. They're not just sitting waiting to be told what to do. And sometimes they're, they need to find other homeschoolers to be friends with because sometimes the public school kids are just they're into the drama and all that stuff, and they just don't get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, like kids so love right. music. They, they're, you know, they, they, they love playing, and they got into that on their own. You know, one of them is, is, is really a good guitar player. He just decided to do mm-hmm. it. I didn't tell him. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, I like I love when the kids are following their own, you know, impulses and oh, not just yeah. doing what they're told. Yeah. Well, that's great, Hugh. And unfortunately, oh, tell me, tell me the name of your website. Okay, website is called thepassionatewarrior.com. and you can go there and you can get a copy of the book um, from the site. There's a link right on there. Uh, you can also mm-hmm. go to familieswithoutlimits.com, and that's get you directly into you just have to sign up and get the book i'm also uh-huh. coming out with a very comprehensive course about eight or nine weeks that kind of goes into the detail of the book and takes it way more you know in, intense it hasn't been released yet it's called family life university and but when that comes out i'll anybody who signs up on the site for the book will get a notice when that comes out too right, so nice. hopefully it'll, nice. it'll help more people to do this yeah well, Hugh, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I've been talking to Hugh de Berg, the passionate warrior, who has dedicated his life to the achievement of the ultimate family lifestyle. Currently, he's on the second leg of a worldwide travel adventure with his wife and four children. As you heard, Hugh is dedicated to the parenting style of living life intentionally every day. You're welcome to join him by following his blog at The Way of the Passionate Warrior and sending off for a free copy of his book, Families Without Limits. Those links are on my site, both on my website, Social Homeschooler, and on the TogiNet Radio website. Thank you for joining me this afternoon, Hugh. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much, Vivian. I really appreciate it. Well, you have a safe and an intentional weekend, and that goes to everybody out there. <laughs> I shall. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, you know, I love being inspired, don't you? I'm really not a very technical person, but give me a challenge and I'll have a go. I was talking to my cowboy while we were on a walk this weekend and I asked him if he'd ever played with Meccano when he was growing up. We've been talking about big ideas and how not to discourage our children from thinking beyond their ability because we don't want them to be disappointed by failure. We want to inspire them, don't we? I'd read about a young girl who at four built herself a robot out of cardboard boxes. It took her a long time and she was having a lot of fun figuring out how to put it all together. When it was finished, she decided she wanted it to work. So she took a couple of AA batteries and cut a hole in the back of her robot, made a little flap and popped her two batteries inside and closed it up and waited. And of course, nothing happened. And she realized that she had to learn all about something else entirely to give her mechanical creation life. 
her project hadn't been a waste and she wasn't disappointed. She'd learned about big dreams and she'd had parental support and she'd learned about her limitations. My brother, when we were growing up, had Legos, which I wasn't at all keen on, but he had this Meccano set, which I enjoyed working with because it had a motor and pulleys and I could make things that actually worked. And I was thinking about this as I was, I was walking with my um, cowboy and I thought maybe I could have been an engineer had I had the right kind of education, which we all know I didn't. I did my English and my history and my sociology, but I didn't do any sciences at all because that wasn't offered at my school. So perhaps all this technical stuff I'm learning about my website at the moment isn't all over my head after all. I just need to give myself time and not sell myself short because you know what? It is getting quite frustrating sometimes to get my pull my website together but I'm doing it it takes practice and it takes a lot of time I had a childhood memory come flooding back to me this week I'll tell you what happened I saw workmen on the flat roofs of some garages over by the park where I walk and as soon as I saw them this memory that I hadn't even remembered that I had came flooding back as if it were yesterday Sometimes, you know, a sight or a smell jogs something and I have to grapple for it. It's like words, you know, it's just on the tip of my tongue, but not this one. My parents had allowed me to go to a birthday party. It was against their better judgment because the girl inviting me lived in some flats and they didn't know anything about her family or their parenting methods. I must have bugged them forever about this because in the end I was allowed to go with a proviso. My brother, my younger brother, had to come along too. Now we never went to other people's houses while we were growing up in London and no one ever came to us so this was a memorable occasion in and of itself only I don't remember anything about the tea, the flat, the table, the gifts, the jelly and ice cream and the silly games that we may or may not have played. All I remember were the group of garages that we went outside to play around. They weren't open and maybe we had chalk and had drawn a hopscotch pattern on the asphalt. But all of a sudden, there were a couple of girls on the flat roofs of the garages chasing one another recklessly above us. I stopped to watch amazed that I was witness to something my father would never condone. The idea of climbing up on anything was alien to me. If we needed additional height, we had to use a step stool or a ladder, not a chair or a table, or heaven forbid, clamber on a rooftop. And yet here were these bigger girls running around as if they were on terra firma. Then an awful sound blasted through their shouts of laughter, which was quickly replaced by cries of fear and shock and then sobs of pain. One of the garage roofs had caved in and a girl had fallen through, cutting her legs and banging her head. Parents were summoned, the girl was taken to the doctor, and of course our antics were discovered. Except I didn't go on the roof, but I was with the crowd of girls that were doing it. I don't know what happened in the end. I'm sure we were sent home, but I was obviously shaken up by the experience, watching my peers do something so rebellious and then get found out. And seeing two workmen up on a garage rooftop going about some work, gave my mind this instant trigger to replay that childhood memory. Isn't that weird? It was really weird. We went to Dover this week. Gosh, we've been busy this week. We went to Dover this week to meet my daughter's ship on its way to Bilbao, and we had the most delightful day. We went laden with her list of food, clothes, and other bits and pieces, looking like a couple of kids going to camp with our backpacks on. 
The ship was empty because everyone was on their excursion to London. Gosh, and that's such a long drive. They'd only have had two hours, but all they did was the photograph, whichever one they wanted. Of course, the weather was normal Dover English weather. Cloudy, rainy, cold. But we stayed on the ship and visited with Dorts, unpacked all her stuff. We were amazed at how tiny her cabin was. I'm telling you, it was teeny weeny and how metal the walls and ceiling and floor were. Magnets were on her list of must-haves. You know where the strongest pull for the magnet was? On the ceiling. So not so many coats of paint up there. She now has pictures to look at when she lies down on her bunk bunk anyway saying goodbye the second time around was harder than the first time we all felt kind of in a, in a in a funk for a few days but we're better now and it looks as though that's it for another week the time simply flies by doesn't it i think we're treating ourselves to fish and chips tonight and i may go for a walk although you know it's getting darker really quickly here it seems to get a little bit darker every single day like five by five minutes or whatever anyway i'm going to do some more experimenting with my website and my pictures and i think rochester cathedral is in the cards for this weekend and i have to read for even songs so i can't go far i'll let you get on with your day and i'll be back same time same place next week that's Friday at 12 noon Texas time and 6 p.m. if you're in London. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, my four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest this week, Hugh de Berg, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne and Tina and Nancy and Millicent and Esme and Carol and Elizabeth, Maggie, Sarah, Jane and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to Tokenet all day and catch a lot of great shows to inspire you. Have a safe weekend and enjoy your children. Give them an extra hug. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinnis.